Today on Geek Devotions, we're talking about vampires because Fangtober. Glicks, what is going on? We are receiving a signal from a new area on the planet Geekery. All right, let's see what the planet has for us today. Opening forms in three, two, one. Hello and welcome to Calm Talk, the podcast extension of Geek Devotions. I am Celeste, and with me I have Dallas. Hello. And Mr. John, how are you? I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm in danger. You're not in trouble, John. You've just been brought to the ship. That's not what this pink slip says that I was given. Who gave you that pink slip? Glix. Glix, I need you to stop printing on the pink paper, dear. Oh, did I accidentally scare John? You don't scare anybody. You're a hunk of garbage. Now, John, be nice. This is episode 113 of Calm Talk, and today we are doing two different subjects. We're we're going to be talking about vampires uh, because of Fangtober, but we are also going to be discussing John's trip to Shreveport. My trip, my trip to Shreveport. What am words? <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know what's happening over so. there. But yeah, John is John is uh, come visit us for the weekend. He is here in person, live, <laughs> live and in color. John, no, there's no color. I am pasty white, sir. Do not <laughs> do not adjust your television sets. There is red hair, though. Yes, I, so that's I am. Color. I am. I am a natural ginger, which is interesting because I don't think I ever realized that. For real? Yeah, just maybe it's just the lighting. Oh, and I see you normally you on the on the blonde. view screen, but I do. Yes, a little no, bit more. Yeah, it, well, that's because okay. So the light in my office where I re- do all my recording is natural. Is the natural light light bulbs, which have it has a tendency to come across as being extremely bright, mm-hmm. and so my hair has a tendency to reflect light quite a bit. And so when it hits my camera lens on my computer, which isn't that fantastic, it comes across as white or whatever. It's the reason why uh, J.S. Earls thinks that I don't have hair. It's <laughs> terrible. Right. So you said something at one time about being a redhead, and I was like, oh, he's just a light redhead. But to be fair, it's yours more doesn't like come, red brown. To be fair, yours doesn't come out of a bottle, and mine does. Uh-huh. It's true. Mine came out of a bottle this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to be talking about vampires because uh, it's Fangtober. And we thought it'd be interesting to talk about some of our favorite vampire properties. Just list of a few and why we like them uh, because it's Fangtober. Like I said, we're, we're doing vampire stuff all month long. We did all of our devotions been based off of vampires. Um, we have articles that have come out this past week. We have actually three articles coming out this week about vampire stuff one's a review another one's a review and then Celeste has a devotion so did my review come out yet that's one of the ones coming out this week awesome because it's supposed to be going out with mine and i haven't finished editing mine yet gotcha gotcha yep so that's all coming out this week so keep uh, your browser open so like geek devotions i don't know I got keep your frequency open for incoming hails from the mothership <laughs> And neglect the re- the pink slips because it's just Glicks being stupid. Well, keep, keep your eyes to the sky for the bat symbol. Oh wait, wrong vampire. <laughs> wrong kind of Batman. Wrong Batman altogether. Well, let's get into it, John. Let's let's start with you since you're on the ship. What's one of your favorite vampire properties? Oh, you're act- you're asking me to choose my favorite children. Um. <laughs> No, just one of them. It doesn't have to be your absolute favorite. We're not committing okay. you to that. Okay. Because I'm just going to be pulling stuff out of thin air. I can't rank them. Right. Um, uh, first vampire property that's coming to mind, probably because I'm in the process of going through them all over again, is the Fred the Vampire Accountant book series by, by Drew Hayes. I need these. Um, it it follows the tales of a uh, an accountant whose name is Fred. Uh, he was turned in a back alley one night and when he became a vampire, he thought his life would start suddenly become, have more mystique and be cool and going on adventures. And he ended up just resigning himself basically to living the same life he lived before he became undead oh, as, wow. as an accountant. 
Um, and then he starts to find out that there's a bit more of a, a, a real supernatural world that's masked by human society. Um, and he's starting to fi- kind of find out where he falls into it. Um, kind of sounds like a vampiric neverwhere. I've I have no idea what that is. Ooh, but it, it's it's more a it's more sort of social satire set within a set within a uh, supernatural community sort of thing. Um, so neverwhere. <laughs> I'll explain neverwhere later. Okay. Yeah, it's but a good series. There are seven books out there. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they're written by Drew Hayes. They're, for people who are listening, there is a little bit of language to it, but not anything to be... Like, it would be rated PG-13 if they actually rated books. Right. That's cool. I feel like they should rate books because it would make I would be easier. so much happier. I would not have bought the book for It by Stephen King. Oh, no. Really? There's a... Scene? A scene oh, that wow. I've heard about... Uh, we'll we'll tell you off, Mike. Yeah, okay. it's inappropriate. <laughs> All right. Well, so let's have a G. What's one of your favorites? So I have a couple favorites, but my fav one of my favorites is the Buffy series. Really, I really enjoy that series because I enjoy the humor behind it. Mm-hmm. I didn't like where they took the Spike storyline, mm-hmm. just because it was. Very, I feel like they did not handle it well. Mm-hmm. Um, Spike ended up attacking Buffy, and it was very intense. And while they did not show anything that you couldn't show on TV in the nineties, right? It never actually resolved appropriately, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, because by the end of it, they ended up having to work with Spike. And so it it was just not, it didn't, he did not receive the repercussions I feel like he should have for uh, what he did. Yeah. Now, when you say you like the Buffy series, does, yeah. this, does this also include the uh, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie that I've, Joss Whedon did? I've not seen that. I've been trying to find time to show it to her because that was my introduction to Buffy was that movie. That was mine too. Cause it was like the 92? TV show came after. Yeah. Yes. With uh Christy Swanson and yeah. uh, Luke Perry. We, we started watching that one when um, Dallas's sister and his dad and his brother were down here one time, but it's very difficult for me to watch a movie when my father-in-law's in the house mm-hmm. <laughs> because he naturally cannot sit still and he moves and he talks. I get that. And so I can't focus mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I'm going, what is Gilbert doing? Why is Gilbert <laughs> cleaning my kitchen? I just cleaned my kitchen. Gilbert, why are you cleaning my kitchen? <laughs> Wait, why are you sweeping the leaves? Those are fine. They don't have to be swept. Please sit down my- and stop moving. <laughs> My wife's uncle is very much the same way, except he doesn't get up and do things. He just makes noises throughout the movie. Um, and he, he's got, he's like, he's kind of like me in the sense that he has permanent sinus issues, mm. except mine are very subtle and how they manifest themselves. And he'll spend like 15 minutes trying to slurp down a booger in the back oh. of his throat. Oh my gosh. Oh God. <laughs> That's terrible. No, no. Gilbert doesn't do that. He just doesn't. He he's a workaholic. He, he doesn't is. sit still. And I'm sure you, sweet listener, are so glad I whispered that truth into your ear. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a mental image. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's terrible. And if you hear creaking noises in the background, it's the chair. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> so Buffy the Vampire. What is it about Buffy that really draws you, though? Um, she. It's the dichotomy of this like super ditzy girl Mm -hmm. who's having to handle this really intensely dark stuff. Right. So you have the darkness of it, but then you also have her making jokes, Um, especially in like the first several seasons. It Mm -hmm. got much darker after Angel left the show. Mm. Um, And I couldn't handle the Angel series because it was too dark. It is a darker show. And it didn't have the humor that Buffy had. Um, Mm. It was just mopey sad boy to quote squid. Um, but it, uh, it's, it's the humor and the storyline. 
So it's just an interesting story. Um, it very much falls into the 90s girl power stuff that I tend to lean towards. Right. So there's that. That's cool. Let, let me ask you this, because yeah. I, I know a lot of people who are into the Buffy series as well as series like Supernatural and stuff like that. Okay. Um, and I've always kind of shied away from it because they're – you know how there's certain properties where they have a certain fan base that you just kind of don't want to be associated with? Yes. Those TV shows have a tendency to be that for me, um, which is the reason why I gravitate to my next option that we'll discuss. And I won't necessarily throw it out there, but I have a feeling you know what it's going to be because you wrote a devotion on it. Oh, yeah. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so in context of that particular uh, property that I'm going to discuss, does it fall into the ranks of... It's very similar humor-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't quite make as fun of itself as much as that one does. Okay. So now it makes fun of stuff. And <laughs> and growing up in the 90s and the early 2000s, there it was also a lot of nostalgia for me because I just recently, like within the last 10 years, finished that series, started and finished that series mm-hmm. um, for the first time. And so... A lot of it was just nostalgia because I'm like, I remember when TV shows looked like this. I remember when this was the topic everything was doing. Um, And so I remember when this came up because everybody was freaking out and I had a friend who was super into Buffy and so she was talking about it. Like, Is that Liz? No. No. Uh, Pre-Liz. Okay. Oh. I feel like it was, it, I was be too preppy for Liz. That's why I was going to be like, yeah, eh. it, it was definitely too preppy for Liz. You don't know this acquaintance because okay. I don't talk to them anymore. Okay. They're, we're Facebook friends, but Sweet. yeah, <laughs> it's whatever. So, but it's definitely has, it definitely has that sarcasm running through it. And it just 90s and early 2000s shows hit differently. So for you, it's more of the nostalgia of the era. These come, these came from. Yes. I, I think that might be why I liked vamps Yeah, because it kind of, it was a little, how do I say this nicely? It was a little preppier yeah. than Buffy. Cause I, I watched a little bit of the Buffy with you and it did not age well. Like no. it's definitely locked in the time frame. <laughs> it's locked in the time frame. So now that said, I think that it would carry well as long as you understand it's locked in the time frame. Sure. Like the fact that their cell phones had charms. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I wanted that. Cool. Go back to the old Nokia phones. <laughs> Those things are probably still around. Probably. And, and working. I, I, they may work in the sense that you can turn them on, but they, the most, actually all of the uh, carriers won't accept them anymore because they're going, they're all transitioning over to voice over IP through their wireless networks. Hmm. Didn't know that. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Well, Dallas, what about you? My, so I'm probably not going to do as many books or ser- TV series as you guys do. Mine are mostly movies. Which is funny because mine are going to be mostly books. Yeah. Are yours going to be mostly TV shows, Celeste? N- no, mine are going to be broad spectrum. Okay. Right. Well, we almost had a thing going. Almost right? had a thing going. That would have been interesting. I'm sorry. I, I go all over the so place. So one of mine is um, Blood, the Last Vampire. Yes. <laughs> Which is a, uh, it's a Japanese film. I say Japanese, maybe Korean. I can't remember now. I think it's Japanese. Uh, I'll pull up the INDB just to make sure I can say the plot correctly. Uh, in 1970, the 400-year-old skilled samurai, Saya, is sent to the Kanto High School in an American military base in Tokyo by the Council, a secret society that has been hunting vampires for centuries. Saya has the appearance of a teenager, but is the tormented half-breed creature with the soul of her human father and the powers and need of blood of her vampire mother. That was such a good movie. Wait. Although Hold it- on, there's more. Oh. She is obsessed to face the powerful demon Onigen that killed her father. In the base, in the base, Saya saves Alice McKee, who is the daughter of the general of General McKee and commander of the base from uh, the attack of several vampires. When Joan McKee is killed by a member of the council, Alice runs to the hotel where Saya is lodged. They join forces to go to the countryside and chase Onigen. 
That's that one was really good. Although mm-hmm. I could not eat chicken nuggets for a while. <laughs> I, I think I might have seen this movie, but I think I liked it better when it was called Blade. <laughs> that's a bit different than Blade. I it would just say. that's what that's where that description took it's, my mind. Right, it's there. much more <laughs> Japanese than Blade. Well, right, but I mean, <laughs> I, I'm just noticing so many parallels between that plot you just uh, you just laid out there. That I mean, just, very ba- base bones plot. Yeah, it's. Similar. I mean, it's based off an anime, which I enjoyed the anime too. And and that's what that initially when you said Blood, the Last Vampire, that's what I thought you were talking about because I'd seen the box art for that mm-hmm. before. Yeah, the anime is really good. Um, I saw the anime years and years ago when I was in college. Um, but again, I, I, I go to, I lean towards movies because life is, is busy. So it's like, let me get into this. So it's an interesting adaptation of the anime. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a one for one type of thing. It's almost its own entity, but it's heavily inspired by the anime, but I just, it was a good anime. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the story of it. I like the idea of somebody who's like, like she's, She's basically, it's a revenge story, basically. She wants to, you know, revenge her, her father and work that whole system out. But also it's a matter of like, because then it, she's trying to fit into society. Like she doesn't want to kill people. Mm-hmm. You know, she's at, she, she's on a mission to hunt this evil that's done evil to her. So that's one of the reasons why I like that one. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. But I enjoy vampire stuff on the whole, mm-hmm. which is funny because I can't, eat and watch vampire stuff because I can't do blood and mouths. Right. Like I'm good with all the fake blood until it hits somebody's mouths and I'm going, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let me ask you this as the, uh, non weeb. Is that, is that something I can say? Sure. Yes. Um, I don't watch a whole lot of foreign films cause I'm ignorant and so if I were to watch that movie, is it is it subtitled and is the original dialogue in Japanese then? Yes. yes. Okay. But I think there's dubbing. I can't remember if it was dubbed or not. I think that, well, was it? I, it may not have been because that's one of the ones that we had to take a while to watch. Because for those in the audience who don't know, I have dyslexia. And so sometimes I cannot read. You're tired. Um, when I'm real, real tired, I just can't. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when we're watching dubbed stuff or subbed stuff, we can't watch it too late. Right. I think it was, I think it is dubbed though. Mm. Maybe we switched. It is live action and I, I don't care to do dubbed often live action because mm-hmm. it throws me off. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate watching the Shin Godzilla <laughs> when it's dubbed. Like I appreciate it because I can understand it and I don't have to always look at the screen, mm-hmm. but, um, but that's so telling the, the, the dubbing is not the greatest. The dubbing is not the best. Yeah. Now, why do you ask that question? Oh, it just, it, it sounds interesting, but mm-hmm. I'm, if I have my druthers and I, I'm going to, again, this is going to make me sound like an ignorant American, but if I have my druthers, I'd rather watch a movie that is in my native language. I totally get that. You know. I, um, I, 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 I can watch like anime and stuff like that with dubs on it. Um, but it, it's a little bit more difficult for me with live action because the emotion that's in the voices of whoever's doing the voice acting for the dubs never matches the energy of what's going on the screen. I get that. So, um, I was going to say something. Oh, I enjoy watching the dubbed with the subs, like having the subtitles mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. but having it be what the Japanese is actually saying. Right. Because then you get to see the differences. Like mm-hmm. the Amplified Bible. <laughs> that That's a good like way to put Bible. that. Um, so, but it's like... Why did they insert that cuss word there? And oh, I know why they took that word and changed it. And it's just, it's fascinating to me. Mm. The thing about subtitles, and this, this is the reason why I go with dubbed when I'm watching anime, is that when I'm doing subtitles and I'm reading, I don't, I end up not looking at what's going on on the screen because I'm constantly waiting for the next subtitle because I go into book reading mode. Okay. So I get that. I can understand that. Well, John, what's your what's your second one? All right, I hinted at it earlier when we were talking about Celeste, and, right? Uh, but it's I you'll this week you will see a my personal review of this property on uh, geekdevotions.com. Good plug. So good plug. Go ahead and check that out. <laughs> uh, it is an unattractive vampire by Jim McDonnell. 
So good. And I did uh, I did get Celeste a copy to listen to because I listened to it on audiobook. But it is available in paperback as well if there are some people out there who are written word purists. I would be if I had time to be. Right. Um, this story follows an ancient vampire as he had been trapped beneath a house for 300 years. Wow. Uh, now this is this is this this vampire is of what you what one people would think of when if I were to say the name Nosferatu. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's a classic vampire. And so he gets resurrected in modern times by a uh, early twenty-something lady um, who's into like vampire shows, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. See, or I was Twilight. thinking more Vampire Diaries. By the way, she was talking about that yeah, show. Just. You know, I'm not super well versed in that into into that particular media. Like I said, there's fan bases like that that I just I don't want to be associated with. And no offense to anybody out there who are into that. I'm just gonna put that out there. Um, you know, I'm not trying to shame anybody out there by saying what I say. Um, if you like what you like, you don't need my approval for it. Um, just not my jam. And I've had encounters with people who are into that that I'm just like sorry, I can't do this. Which that honestly brings up an interesting side conversation about the fan base, whether or not we should allow a fan base to taint our view on our property. Um, because it, 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 there are sometimes there are, there are fandoms out there that seem toxic. Yeah. Um, great, great example. Um, the Godzilla fandom. Mm. I'm a big fan of Godzilla. I know that some of our listeners are, uh, but there are people in the community that are, toxic as i'll get out mm-hmm. and um i know for me personally this cuts me out of certain forums a couple of places because i don't want to deal with it but i still enjoy the property mm-hmm. itself and so that's the great balance of like how much do you maneuver around the community of a property that you enjoy but the community is kind of mm. oh, go ahead go ahead Celeste. i think it depends on the property so like most of the godzilla stuff is really good but Originally, and John's going to shoot daggers at my way for this, but originally I read the Twilight books when they came out and I was like, okay, these are cute little mindless books, but I wasn't like... We just lost listeners because you called them mindless. I mean, it's a good (laughs) shut your brain off book because there's not a lot to it. Mm -hmm. It's like reading the Percy Jackson series. That's way below my my reading level, but I enjoy them. They're fun. Mm -hmm. You know, not going to be all woohoo about them, but they're good books. Um, Wouldn't necessarily call Twilight good books, but they're entertaining. (laughs) So it, but the fan base that built up around it after the second book came out, I was Mm. like, what is wrong with you people? I'm Mm. out. Right. So I I read the books because I was like, I'm committed to this story. And then it got weird. Right. Um, But I, I just didn't, and I don't, uh, participate with those right fan groups yeah um and, and i think that it it's not specific to just cinematic or book properties mm-hmm. yeah. um as as a musician myself um you know there's toxic communities within music as well mm. um you know i i could name bands like slayer you know and I don't recommend Slayer, everybody. Don't go out and start listening to that because I just, no, don't. But th- their community can be very toxic to people who are new or aren't super into it. And they're like, eh, it's okay. And they're like, what do you mean it's okay? Slayer's God. Brr. You know? Wow. Um, well, I mean, th- some people get really intense with their fandoms. Like, at, well, I know. like at, at a Slayer concert, there was a guy who went up to their table and he literally in front of them pulled out a razor and carved Slayer into both of his forearms at their table. Geek Devotions does not endorse this type of behavior. Uh, no, we don't. If you are experiencing this type of behavior, please contact Victims and Villains. They have the resources you need. Victimsandvillains.net. <laughs> so anyway, back to uh, an unattractive vampire. Yeah. <laughs> we we bunny trailed hardcore on that. Uh, so she resurrects him thinking that he'll turn her into a vampire because she has um, a eight-year-old brother 
who she has to take care of because her parents were killed in a car wreck. Mm -hmm. And so she wants to be immortal because her eight-year-old brother is incredibly strange. He might as well be an Adams. Right. Uh, and so he, she, she, she resurrects him or not really resurrects, but releases him. Release me. And he's coming to terms with it's, it's a comedy because he's coming to terms with what modern society is Mm -hmm. as well as what the, uh, narrative of what a vampire it, how it has changed from when he was free to maraud. So it's, the the one of the first scenes in it is um he is a arguing with her because she says he's a werewolf mm-hmm. and he goes i'm not a werewolf and some of his internal dialogue was funny but he leaves her room and goes outside as to, a bat as a bat <laughs> to like fly away into the night dramatically and it describes it as suddenly the eyes of a great beast hit him and it's a minivan <laughs> a, a minivan hits him as yeah. a bat so um there the, and there's a lot of commentary on uh the modern american uh, vampire narrative it, it, it throws some shade at that but it, it's not unilateral it also throws some shade at uh regional uh old vampire lore as well such as the Gianchi uh from china or the ads from south america and things like that so at, right at one point he puts together the vampire avengers <laughs> It's it's true true story. Like it's like I almost in uh, almost in the audiobook could hear Colson go, "Have I talked to you about the Vampire Initiative?" <laughs> it it it's good stuff. Um well, what drew you to it? Like what why why do you why is it up there in your list? Um what drew me to it? What drew you to it and why do you like it? Okay. I like it because I I like anything that is one entertainment first but also kind of a tongue in cheek commentary on something, mm-hmm. but it's fair to both sides of what it's making commentary on. So it's not specifically going out to bash, you know, it's, it's not going out there specifically to bash vampire diaries or, or uh twilight because mm-hmm. uh, it turns around and it bashes, you know, Nosferatu and right. Dracula. Right. Uh, so um, it, it, it's, it, it's pretty even handed with how it throws the jokes around. <laughs> right. Um, and it, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of just strange stories that are, that, you know, stupid humor and strange stories, you know, uh, with a tinge of the bizarre, a tinge of the bizarre? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Well, there's definitely some bar- bizarre in the story. Right. Uh, you know, it, where it's not just completely out of left field wackadoo. Like, did you ever see the old Warner Brothers cartoon where they had the dodo bird? Yeah. And when they go to the land where the dodo bird's at and everything's just wacky, nothing makes sense type thing. Yeah. Uh, that's a little bit too much, but I like a little bit of that flavoring in right. one, of the, one of those a dabble do you situations. <laughs> a dabble do you? Well, Celeste, how about you? What's another property you you enjoy? I like the Underworld series. <laughs> yeah, that was one that we, uh, our longtime listeners will know this. Dallas and I on our vacations, we we stay at home and we binge series, uh, long holidays. It's definitely our decompression. Yeah. Anytime we have a weekend where we're like, we don't have to do anything. Um, we we will binge a series. And so we watched all the Underworld ser- stuff in a, about two days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just really enjoyed the series as a whole. Some of the later stuff was a little weird. Like, I don't. I don't completely understand everything that happened because it doesn't A and B don't equal Z, <laughs> but it was still entertaining and it it was almost like the Matrix with vampires. It was about the same time frame. Yeah, like that came out same time as the Matrix and um, um, Equilibrium. Yes, I can see that. And so they, it, I really enjoyed the series as a whole, 
because again, I enjoy the lore of a vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy hearing all different kinds of lore. I think it's fascinating where all you can take it. Um, so the whole, the old ones and they're in their coffins and you raise them up and the different ones up at the different times. And depending on who's ruling, you do different things. It, it's just all the, I enjoy political dramas as well. So vampire politics right. is <laughs> a great thing. Um, wasn't a super fan of the club scene. I don't even remember which movie that was in. Which one? It might have been. Was it That's the newest Blade. one? No. Oh, no, that was You're thinking Blade. of Blade. That was Blade. I'm mixing up Underworld and Blade because that was, <laughs> I, I want to say we watched those fairly close together. We did. But Blade was going to be one of my next ones, so we'll talk about that later. <laughs> now, can I, I'm going to ask you a question about the Underworld movie. Okay. Because I watched the first one and I really enjoyed it. And that was when it first came out on uh, DVD. Okay. Um, me and my sister decided to go watch the second one in the movie theater uh, for those of you at home, I have a movie rule, uh, which is blood and guts, no boobs and butts. Uh, there was no sexual content or nudity in the first movie. And the second one, it got close. There was no, it wasn't close. It was there. Um, did, how did we miss it? Like there was a scene, but I don't remember them showing anything. It showed stuff. Because or, we just generally look away yeah. when something like that's going on. So my question for you, because and that, that was where I jumped off the underworld train. Uh, in the future movies, was there any more of that content in it? Or? I don't remember, but I may not be the best person to ask because I have a tendency with books and movies of as long as it's not excessive to the point of where I can't look away or skim the words and get past it fairly quickly. I'm okay with it because not that I'm okay with it being there, but I'm okay. Cause I can skip around it. It's not going to ruin the movie for me. Mm-hmm. Like we pretty much expect with um, Netflix series, the th- third or fourth episode to have to not watch the screen for a little bit. Um, and then we're good. So it, it, as long as it doesn't get to be too much where it's like, Oh, I'm just, I'm listening to this show rather than watching it. It's turned into a podcast, everybody. Exactly. (laughs) Um, or if example for reading, if it's in there and I'm going, I'm literally skipping chapters because this is here then then i'd stop reading whatever book it is Mm -hmm. so because i i censor myself i may not be the best person to ask because i probably just don't remember it so like in the third one which is the rise of the lichens there might have been some in that one there was a um you see a a nude man but it's all from the backside uh the female vampires i guess this just depends on what your definition of boobs and butts are they're wearing tight fitting clothes and deep um, like you, you see cleavage, but you don't see the full on breasts. And that, that's that's not what I'm talking about. Like you're talking about just complete nudity. Yeah, and and even still, if it's in a clinical setting, I can get past it because I work in the medical field. Right. Um, but like in the second movie, you had the guy who was both vampire and lichen, mm-hmm. and then you had Kate Beckinsale, and they were grinding on each other pretty hard. Look at that to be and say that it's saying it's give me that description. I've Somehow I blocked up that scene or something. So, and well, and it was even it was even more awkward for me because I was watching it with my sister. Yeah, and that's you know. So in the fourth movie, it says on IMDb there is no none of it in there. All right. So at all. So. So maybe watch at home so that you can pick up your phone and look at Facebook. Or and that's the thing is like we often we we just we skip ahead or yeah. we um we just. Um, look away. I walk out of the room. We have we have had during what was we were watching something and it got to be too much, almost to the point of making us stop. And we just had a whole conversation. <laughs> like we're like, are they done yet? Nope. Okay. Hey, da, 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 da. we're just talking. <laughs> well, and, and it, it, the way they did it in the second one, it was so it was so unnecessary because they had just gotten done with this big old fight scene. Right. Yeah. And, right. and the, I often find it unnecessary. The dude, the dude, me. the dude who's the vampire werewolf mm-hmm. 
was fairly injured and you know she's tending to them and then they just start going at it and i'm like oh they're taking the marvin they're taking the marvin gay method of fixing him <laughs> i vaguely remember that because i remember going that's not gonna help right well dallas what's your uh next one my next one is actually a movie called daybreakers oh I've, you- I've heard of this Did, have we watched that one no because i can't find it oh, on, that's, right. on a that's the one we keep that looking we, for yeah on a service that i we own um imdb says this in the year 2019 a plague has transformed almost every human into vampires faced with a dwindling blood supply the fractured uh dominant race plots their survival meanwhile a researcher works with a covert band of vamps on a way to save humankind and um, the reason why I liked it is because it's kind of, it's the, let's take this the opposite direction. You know, instead of vampires hiding in the shadow, they're the dominant race and humans are trying to survive. I like post-apocalyptic movies anyways. Right. And this is kind of a, that falls in that vein. Um, it, I don't appreciate the amount of vulgarity that's used in it, the, the language in it, but the story was really interesting to me. And that's what drew me to that. So that's the reason why I like, I like, I'd watched it every couple of years when I worked at Hollywood Video. But because um, it was just, you know, it's, you know, Halloween season, vampire stuff. So, like, yeah, I want to watch that. Um, and um, but I like the idea of like, it's not your typical, we're trying to kill the vampires. It's actually the vampires are trying to find a way to survive. And there are some that are trying to help the humans. I don't want to spoil the movie for anybody who's going to watch it. But they, they come to a pretty interesting turn of events uh, towards the third act. There is a, it's based off a book and I started to read the book. I didn't know that. Um, but it is, it's one of those that it's a real dry read. And then I was trying to read it when I was a headache. And then when I was a headache, when I had a headache. You're not a headache, dear. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, and then the library took it back before I had <laughs> time to read it. Let me ask you this. I think I remember the, I think I remember the previous for it. If I remember right, it kind of has a, vampires meets the movie outbreak sort of feel to yeah a little bit Mm, a little bit yep isn't it a german movie no no it's it's american very much an american film never mind not sure what you're talking about so maybe it's not based on a book (laughs) because the one that we were looking with no you're thinking of uh night watch and the sequel day watch which we're also trying to find yes they're also very interesting very trippy stories night watch and day watch have books they were rushing that's what i was talking about on behalf of uh geek devotions uh we would like to retract the previous statement that (laughs) celeste had made about this being based on the book yes i have no clue you're thinking of night watch and day watch again i can't find those were movies that i i picked up on a whim because I like I like getting foreign films, and when I worked at Hollywood Video, right. I, I'm I'm picking up on that from you. <laughs> so, but um, just because I, I appreciate how other countries, like so often, we just think about in an American mindset of filmmaking, and but we we forget that there are other countries out there, and they have their own style, their own way of telling stories, mm-hmm. and um, their own lore that they're putting into stories. And so, uh, Day Watch and Night Watch, they were they were a Russian film. Uh, series that was really fascinating. Was that vampires? Um, I've it's been so long since I've seen it. I don't want to say yes, but I want to say maybe. Okay. There was a lot to it. It was very weird. And the two movies you had to watch both of them together because the, they complement. The book was very strange for like the chapter <laughs> and a half that I read. Right. So, but yeah, um, that's that's mine. So we what? Why, why were you? To, to to mirror your question back at you, what was it that drew that drew you to this movie? It was the plot twist. I'd heard about the plot twist of how they come to the resolution, mm-hmm. and I like the idea of the plot twi- of the resolution. Okay, so you, you're telling us without telling us, basically. Yes. Okay. Again, R-rated film. Just for anybody who's listening, I think everything we're talking about is, is adult. Mm-hmm. Buffy wasn't my my two books I've mentioned. Oh, so good. Far, isn't well, mine are so I'm the heathen. Yeah. So I mean, we knew that. <laughs> Actually, between kidding. the three of us, I think I'm the one who fulfills that role a little bit more. <laughs> so, John, give yes, us your sir. last one, and why is it Twilight? Last one? I thought we were doing five. Are we doing five? That's what I was told. We had right. said five, but then you changed your we're, mind. We're also 41 minutes into the podcast. <sighs> You're. I forget. You guys are afraid of making long podcasts. <laughs> Fine. Um, last one. 
So Twilight. I quit. <laughs> uh, no, this last opening for the podcast team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last one, surprise, surprise, is a book again, um, which is Salem's Lot by Stephen King. Okay, so I have a question about that. Go for it. How steeped in horror is that? Like, I know Stephen King is horror, but Stephen King has some books mm-hmm. that I, because I really enjoy his writing, um, that I can handle because they're not super horror-y, if that makes sense. I think I would have to know what you mean by horror-y. Okay, so like I liked The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. I've never, I don't know that one. That one was very much a psychological Mm -hmm. thing. She got lost in the Appalachian Mountains, got separated from her parents, and there was a creature who may or may not have been eating the animals. Mm -hmm. And so it's about, it takes them about 72 hours to find her. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's very much a suspense thing. Um, also enjoy Firestarter, which while I can't haven't finished it because I can't get past the character of Rainbird, Rainbrin. I don't remember his name. It's been a minute since I picked it up and tried again. But I enjoy the I enjoy the writing, and then I enjoy the idea of pyrokinesis. Let me let me actually flip the question around okay. on you here instead of. Instead of what you do like, uh, maybe if you could clarify to me what it is you're trying to avoid. Because in books, it's really hard for me to, to quantify that a little bit more. Because gotcha. watching, you know, like when you watch horror films, you know, you can say, oh, I just, I don't like possession stories or I don't right. like really bloody things or whereas in a book it, it's it's more subjective to how your mind frames things I don't like uncomfortable situations such as such as super dark things like I know that you don't mind watching possession things and you actually it helps draw you closer to God but for me mm-hmm. it draws me too far into my own mind. Okay. Um, and it gets me too far into the darker side of my mind. Okay. So I don't like anything that pulls me that way. Um, I don't know. This may be a conversation for off podcast. No, this is a great conversation for on podcast, I think. (laughs) So, but it's a matter of, and I don't know how to say it other than, if I feel icky when I'm reading it, I will say this. I did not feel icky when I read it. And I, I, you enjoy it because you enjoy Lovecraftian stuff. So you like that awkward feeling. Um, it's, it, it doesn't really fall into the Lovecraftian thing. Uh, Stephen King, when he wrote the book, he, to just to give some background when he wrote the book and, and I have the audio book. Cause again, I just don't have time to read. Right. Um, he did the, he, he, when they did the audio book, he read the foreword on the book. Um, which explained, you know, why he, why, what he was thinking, why he wrote it right. to, to that effect and certain character choices that he ended up making. Um, and really with this book, what his intention was, he wanted to kind he wanted to put Dracula into a new England town during the time frame that he wrote this book, which was in the mid seventies, um, to see what would happen, how, and then he put him in a small town. And so, cause he does small town personality so well. Um, so, you know, it, it, did, did you ever read Bram Stoker's Dracula? No. Okay. Cause it's it, actually in my backlog for uh, backlog golf. If you want to join backlog golf, please join our discord. Uh, cause it's very, it's very reminiscent to me to the, to Dracula. Gotcha. Um, just to, just to give a quick synopsis so you can make an educated mm-hmm. assumption for yourself. Uh, the book basically revolves around an, a young author moving back to a town he was raised partly in by his aunt, um, which has a, you know, every, every town has the house, you know, that mm-hmm. you dare kids dare each other to go up and ring the doorbell and stuff like a, a creepy abandoned house. And it was called the Marsden house in this book. And, um, 
you know, you, you get some backstory with that. And he, he's trying to write a story. He's trying to write a story about this house, which is called Salem's lot. Um, and he wants to rent this house from the property management people who own the title for the house just to stay there to kind of, cause he had an experience in that house as a child. Mm. Um, but he comes to find that it already has been purchased by a, uh, in a, in a closed transaction with an unknown seller. And this guy moves into town, people start disappearing you know, people are like, is it the new author? Is it the author that came back to town? Is it, you know, and slow, slowly over the course of time, uh, you, you, you begin to learn that people are turning into vampires after they die. Um, and, you know, it, it, it gets a little bit bleak. Mm. Um, and you get some slice of life, some uncomfortable slice of life that you would expect from small town. Um, there, you know, there's a brief description of kind of, uh, a physically abusive marriage between, uh, a couple who got married right out of high school because she got pregnant one night with the guy's kid. And so all, all their hopes and dreams were shattered because of the, the circumstance. And so they kind of resent each other and she resents the baby. And so she kind of takes it out on the baby a little bit. And so, I mean, there's, there's some adult situations in it in as far as that and some people might get a little bit ooky about that but they they don't linger on it longer than necessary to paint the picture right Mm -hmm. and that is something i appreciate about him in his writing is that most of the time situations like that that would tend to make people very uncomfortable with good reason he doesn't stay longer than he needs to but it, it, it's mostly it's mostly a vampire story that is also commentary on the personality of small town America during this time frame. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, so how does it compare to the movie itself? Because I know it's a, they made a movie oh, out of it. Is it a movie? They they're okay. So they made a movie out of it back shortly after the book was made, mm-hmm. and then they made a made for TV. I don't know if it was a miniseries or a movie that had Rob Lowe in it. Mm-hmm. I will outright say I did not see the original movie mm-hmm. and I've only seen bits of, I've only seen like the first quarter of the made for TV one. I own it. I just haven't watched it all the way through. Right. And, but what I have seen of it, my preference is towards, towards the book, mm-hmm. but I'm the type of person that once I've read the book, the book nine times out of 10, the book is always going to end up being superior to the oh, movie sure. for me. And especially when, with Stephen King properties, cause the way he writes, he's so detailed with nuance and, right. and backstory that he packs into every single character that you lose a lot of it in just the cinematic retelling of the mm-hmm. same story. I don't think there's been a terrible amount of Stephen King movies that have been super successful. You have The Shining. Uh, the Stand was somewhat successful. You have It. It. Here And here's the thing with those movies. They're popular based off of them being popular. Mm. Um, I, I've read The Shining. Um, the Stanley Kubrick film that they made back in the 70s with Jack Nicholson. I don't like it. Really? I don't. And I, I know it's a horror film classic, but I don't like it because it strays so far away from the book and the book is a better story. Um, they made a made for TV miniseries for that starring Andrew Webb from the TV show wings. Mm-hmm. That is far superior. I enjoyed it so much more. And I've always said Stephen King books don't work as movies. Mm. If you're going to make any sort of cinematic retelling of these stories, they need to be uh, miniseries, like because, the stand was. Yeah, because you need the extra time to be able to get in the nuance that he works into the books. You, you absolutely cannot cram these thousand-page books mm-hmm. into two hours. Now I will say this: the Green Mile did. I enjoyed the movie, but I think it was because the books. Like I read the original form of the books before they combined the them novellas. Into, yes, and they were like many chapters like the books were i'm holding my hand out like Mm. the audience can see it but they were like maybe 50 pages each Mm. um and that worked because you could incorporate most of that right Mm. cool 
Anything else? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I mean, I, 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 you know, I can, I can talk about any of these properties for hours. Like I can go, but you know, I don't want (laughs) to, I don't want to be a show hog here. All right. Well, so let's how about you. What's your, what's your next property? So mine is actually a book series that I have been reading recently. Um, and it's, it's one of those that you take it at face value. It's a YA fiction series. Um, so it's not the most in depth. It's not the most intelligently written. Some of the stuff just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think it's a better story than, than Twilight, definitely. But it's the Crave series. We have an acquaintance uh, slash friend. We, I'm friends with her. We talk books on Facebook, but we haven't met, seen her in person very often. Who recommended it to me? We, we recommended each other books um, and got each other hooked on our, the other one's <laughs> favorite series. Anybody I know? No, you wouldn't okay. know them. Um, Anybody I know? Yes. Okay. You would know. I'll tell you later. All right. Um, but it's a, the situation in the first book is that a young lady's family, her mom and dad, uh, pass away tragically, unexpectedly. And she ends up having to go to live with her only family in Alaska, where her uncle is the headmaster of a very elite private school. We'll come to find out, you know, maybe four or five chapters in the school is for the paranormal community. So you have vampires, you have dragons and you have witches and werewolves all in the same school. And so it plays into the, I enjoy the political side of things in fiction because watching the vampires and the werewolves have issues and the dragons don't like the, the werewolves, nobody likes the werewolves. Um, and then the dragons and the vampires also have issues because of something that happened. And it it's fascinating. And then come to find out at the end of the book, the young lady is not human as you suppose. She is something else, um, which I won't spoil. Dun, dun, dun. But she she is something special that you don't so you don't see coming. I think that when I read it, because you don't even know what she is until you start the first, the second book. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the first book, you are left hanging. Right. And start of the second book, I went, what the crap? <laughs> because I was not, if I, if I was more aware of this particular paranormal community mm-hmm. fiction, I would have been able to see it, right. but I'm just not familiar with that lore. So I, I was not prepared and I was like, I don't know how to feel about this anymore, mm. but the series is very well written. It's a good, nice light story. It's not light, but it's mm-hmm. again, it's a, it's a YA fiction. Yeah. So it, it fits a certain vein. Cool. What about you, homie? So my last one is a movie called perfect creature, which is a, uh, it's a film from New Zealand. All of Dallas has been international. Let me, let me ask. Let me, let me ask. Let me ask you this: uh, being as you said, a film from New Zealand, there was a certain well-known film director uh, who came from New Zealand, whose background was making horror films in New Zealand. Uh-huh. Uh, who directed this movie? It was. Let me pull up my DB. Um, Glenn Stand. Standridge. Okay, not the not who I was expecting. Then. Yeah. Uh, the for those of you out there in listener land who are wondering what director I'm talking about, I am talking about none other than the Peter Jackson. Oh. He got his start making horror films out of New Zealand with such movies as Bad Channels and Dead Alive. Interesting. I didn't know that. I could see that. Having having watched all of the Lord of the Rings, I could see that. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. So. Uh, perfect creature, which I, I struggle with the definition of horror, honestly, because what when I look at the movies I've I've identified, they're not necessarily horror in the traditional de- definition. I think some people think, oh, they're scary movies, and I'm gonna like be scared. I don't like I don't like being scared. Mm-hmm. Like that's not something I just like thrive off of. These are movies I don't get scared during these movies. They're 
Like the first one, you had, um, you know, there was an action mystery to it. The second one was much more of a mystery type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, dash survival story. This one is a far more of a mystery. I feel like I like my mysteries more, more than anything. Um, the IMDb reads like this. Set in the 1960s mm-hmm. in an alternate New Zealand uh, known as Novo Zealandia. Can never say that right. Perfect creature imagines a world where vampires and humans peacefully coexist. With the bloodsuckers, uh, the next step in the human evolution. This delicate balance looks to be destroyed when influenza epidemic begins to sweep the human population and one vampire turns to preying on humans. The church sends out Silas to catch the renegade vampire, Edgar. Silas joins forces with a human police captain to discover that Edgar's, Edgar harbors dark secrets. And um, it's a really interesting story. Um, it's a very, there's a there's a grain to the entire film, which I really enjoy. I think that's the atmosphere of the film. Uh, and also it's like, it's very packed in. Like the entire film, um, like it's always in these really tight, closed in, big city, almost feels like London almost mm-hmm. type of atmosphere. And um, you're trying to figure out what's happened to Edgar. And what I like about it is it's not necessarily like, oh, they're big, scary creatures. Like there's there's a peaceful cohabitation. Uh, they're not some sort of like mysterious um, demonic force, but rather there's a, there's a, it's actually a mutation in it uh, that you discover later. Kind of like, lycra, like, 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 and canth- werewolves. Yeah. <laughs> Lycanthropy. Lycanthropy. Yeah. Similar you. to that. Yeah. Um, and it's a, um, and again, they're they're trying to stop the terrible things that are taking place, mm-hmm. and you, it almost has this kind of cop filled. It is a it's a cop story, really. So not a buddy cop. Where you left now, John? I'm sorry. Once you said cop feel, I just had a, my brain flashed over to a really dumb movie series called Werewolf Cop. Oh no! <laughs> oh man, that's well. We'll talk about that for next time when we do a fam- <laughs> werewolves, I guess. But no, um, but that's what the perfect creature is. Again, it's one of those ones I got from Hollywood Video on a whim. And you said Hollywood. Did I say Hollywood? You did. <laughs> I that is a habit of mine. Instead of saying Hollywood, I say Hollywood. All right. Um, I love Hollywood Video. I worked there for many years. Uh, if I had the ability to have a second job and it was still there, I would work at Hollywood Video. I would work at Hastings. If I had a Hastings, I'd work there over Hollywood. I'll go with you on that. Um, but um, I don't know. This is one of those ones that caught me special. Again, it was just a little bit different. It wasn't your typical vampire story. And I think that's a th- common thread for all my stuff is just like either you're, uh, you have somebody that's trying to redeem themselves. You got somebody who, you have the story where you have people who are trying to help the humans survive their mass extinction. And then you have this, which is this, this really weird detective mystery story. Mm. So that's mine. Perfect creature. Okay. Well, that was our uh, discussion on vampires. And for the second part of this podcast, it is going to be a patron exclusive. So if you would like to hear it for just simply $1 a month, you know, you want to, you can become a patron and you can get all the updates and all the before and the after and the things we don't share with people. And you will get to hear what Mr. John Har you thought of Shreveport. And I think many things, right? I'm sure you do. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Right. All right. Well, that case was, uh, bring this out to a close. I'll remind you guys that, Com Talk is part of Culture Box, unpacking truth through story, comedy, and geekery. I want to encourage you guys to check out the other great content creators with Culture Box at culturebox.media. Uh, you got people like our friends over at the Cellcast, Retro Rewind Podcast, the Untold Podcast, and the Stunning and Brave Podcast. I always want to call them the Brave and the Bold. Uh, me too. <laughs> that would just make me want to call them the bold and the beautiful. Well, that's what I used to call the bold and the beautiful. That and the bold and the stupid. Uh-huh. Well, there you go. So, but check it out again, culturebox.media uh, for, to connect with all those guys. I also want to invite you guys to check out our brand new podcast. Brand new. Brand new podcast called. The Bottom Shelf? Yeah. All right. 
you're on that, aren't you? I think I am. <laughs> Where's the bottom shelf? Bottom shelf. It is the podcast where we watch terrible movies so you don't have to. There you go. So what's our next? We've already covered Plan 9 from Outer Space. What's our next one that we're covering? Um, what is the next one we're covering? Uh, I, I don't think we discovered because we record them two at a time. Just to give you a peek at behind the curtain. I don't think we did. I don't think we determined which one we're going to put out first. That's I remember. Oh, big derp. <laughs> big old derp. I apologize to everybody out there. I am living two episodes in the future. Uh, so, this yeah. This is coming to you from the future. Oh. Um, sorry. I'm a doofus. Uh, no, we're, we're doing The Last Airbender. Definitely worth listening to because you get to hear Celeste rant and try to remain civil at the same time as she acknowledges a movie that she refuses to acknowledge. I just don't like to talk about it. Oh, come on. You got, I like to rant about it. It I don't has like all the characters that you like, like Ong. I'm going to throw something at Soka. you. And Soka. <laughs> Celeste just threw an octopi at, um, and I, it's in the mad position too. It is. It's one of those reversible octopi. And it is a mad octopi. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I gave you warning. You did. So if you want to check that out, guys, uh, again, it's in our, check the RSS feed, the bottom shelf. It, it features Dallas and myself and Kevin, the, the Dapper, Dapper Man. Man. That was unplanned. <laughs> so check that out. We'll have descriptions down below for you guys to check out that podcast. So let's land the plane. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Calm Talk today. If you have loved this episode, head on over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. So until next time, stay devoted. Peace and love. Do, 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 do.